things on and off here. Go. All right, everyone. Uh, the <coughs> November 10th meeting of the Rent Control Board for the City of Santa Monica is uh, called to order. Uh, would the Secretary please take roll? Commissioner Tarosis. Here. Commissioner Leslie. Here. Commissioner Gonska. Here. Vice Chair Foster. Here. Chair Duran. I am here. Motion carries. Thank you very much. Okay, now I would like to um, request a uh, approval. Oh, I would like to take the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, for this being my last time after eight years, you would think I would have the order down <laughs> by now, but I do not. Will you all please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance? Yeah, we haven't been in person. Yeah. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Now, um, may I have a motion to approve the minutes of the board's last meeting? Uh, I move to approve the October minutes. Second. It's been a first and a second. Uh, may we have a roll call vote, please? Commissioner Leslie? Yes. Commissioner Gonska? Commissioner Tarosis? Yes. Vice Chair Foster? Yes. Chair Duran? Yes. Motion carries. Thank you very much. Uh, moving on to special agenda items. Um, are there any special agenda items for tonight? Yes, good evening, commissioners and members of the public. I have a few announcements this evening. So although the election results are not yet final, it does appear that the board's measures RC and EM have passed, uh, were voted in by the Santa Monica voters. As of this afternoon, the election results show measure RC passing 57% to 43% and measure EM passing 58% to 42%. 
um, passage of Measure RC means that the rents uh, on controlled units will be reduced effective February 1st. So we will be sending out new MAR reports to property owners um, after the election is certified, which should happen on December 5th. Shortly after that, we'll send out new MAR reports so that owners will know what the rent is that they will be able to collect as of February 1st. We will also send communications to tenants telling them about the change and we'll use the city's various communication channels to get that information out widely. The election results also indicate that there's a high probability that Commissioner Tarosis will be elected to the city council. So although the results are not final, <clears throat> we wanna congratulate her and we'll be happy to have an ally um, sitting on the city council and somebody that knows the rent control law well. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is that the last meeting Commissioner Tarosis asked for a report on the board's recommendation to the council that non-rent control units be registered. That will be part of a discussion that will happen in the new year. We'll be working with other city departments to talk about some potentially enhanced um, tenant protections. We'll establish a timeline um, for a sequence of events, which will include obtaining um, wide community input on these concepts. So that will be happening in the new year. And that, those are the announcements that I have this evening. Thank you. Any questions, comments about that? Okay, hearing, seeing none. Moving on to item number seven, which is the public comment. Uh, this is a time for members of the community to, uh, to address the board on uh, matters not included on the agenda, but are within the board's subject matter jurisdiction. Uh, we cannot take any action on those comments, but uh, we'd love to hear from anyone who may wish to speak at this time. Um, I don't have any requests to speak on this item number. Um, Mr. Secretary, have there been any requests to speak in the public comment section? There are no requests to speak. Okay. Thank you very much. Then I'm closing the public comment uh, section and we'll move on to the next item in our agenda, which is uh, item number 10, jurisdictional items. The first um, is item 10A1. It's an exemption owner occupancy. Um, the case number on that looks to be 00 or OOEX30691 at 1034 Euclid Street. Uh, may we have a... Can I make a motion? Yes. I think that it's fairly straightforward uh, for this item, so I would move that we waive the staff report and adopt the findings of fact and conclusions of law. I would second that motion. Okay, there's been a first and a second. Um, seeing no other comments, our hands raised. Uh, may we have a roll call vote? Commissioner Gonska. Yes. Commissioner Tarosis. Yes. Commissioner Leslie. Yes. Vice Chair Foster. Yes. And Chair Duran. Yes. Motion carries. Very good. Moving on to 10B number one, uh, these are appeals. Case number is D5272, 440 Raymond Street, number 11. The appellant is uh, H. Calicao and M. Uh, Trinka. Excuse me if I got the names misspelled. 
Um, and may we have a staff report, please? Good evening, commissioners. Uh, in this case, the tenants, uh, Mr. Calico and Ms. Trinka, filed a rent decrease petition alleging various maintenance conditions, and the hearing officer granted them $200 in rent decrease, $50 of which was to for the damaged carpeting in the dining and living rooms. And as a condition of compliance, uh, the hearing officer ordered that the carpets be replaced in those two rooms. Uh, the tenants have appealed the decision. Um, they say that carpet is uh, old and worn out throughout the unit, so they uh, want the uh, the compliance order uh, requirements to be modified so that the carpeting in the entire apartment um, is replaced. Um, they point to a regulation 4041 um, and argue that it is a basis to have this happen. That regulation is a regulation that is used when a landlord files a rent increase petition. It says that a capital improvements that are for repair, uh, replacing carpeting are amortized over five years. But there's nothing in that regulation that says that just because your carpet hasn't been replaced in five years that you're entitled to a rent decrease or you're entitled to have that carpeting be replaced. That is based on the evidence presented. And the evidence that was presented in this case is for the carpeting was specifically for the dining and living room conditions of the carpet. But more importantly, in the uh, notice that the tenant was required to give to the landlord prior to filing the petition, they attached a two-page two letter in which they specified the, the conditions that they wanted to be repaired. And in that, they specifically put the carpeting in the dining and living rooms. And as a result, the petition must be restricted to the not uh, items that were in that notice. And as such, uh, the hearing officer could only award uh, decreases for the conditions in the dining and living room carpets and could only require compliance conditions based on that. For that reason, staff recommends that the board affirm the hearing officer's decision and, and findings of fact and conclusions of law. Okay, very good. There um, are requests to speak. Uh, however, before we get to those, uh, are there any questions regarding the staff report? Seeing none. Uh, we'll move on. I have, let's see. On this item, it looks like I have uh, Harvey Kalikoff, who has requested to speak. You can come on up to the uh, speaker's booth there, and when you're ready, we'll start the clock. Right in there, yes. You've requested uh, three minutes for this item. Good evening, uh, Rent Control Board. Uh, I've lived in this apartment for uh, since 1995. Uh, it's been very difficult in the last 11 years dealing with my landlord. Uh, the carpet was put down by myself when I when I moved into the uh, the uh, unit, and I paid for it, and then it has never been updated. So, I you know, um, this was done without a lawyer. Of the this uh, rent deduction, I did this on my own. So I'm not really versed in, you know, uh, the laws. 
but I am a tenant and and I have lived there and the carpet was replaced in the living room and dining room in the hallway, but not in the bedrooms. And they were all put down at the same time. And they're completely dirty. And I've tried to wash them and try to do it, and they, they just won't come back. But she was willing to, to change the carpet in the d dining room and living room, but now she's saying that. And this has been an ongoing situation with her where, where she just believes something and then she does what she wants, you know, and that's all I have to say. Okay. Th thank you very much. Are there mm -hmm. any questions for the speaker? I, I have a question. Sure. So when you filed the petition, was it your intent to um, subject like the entire carpeted area? Oh, yes, yes. Everything. Okay. The, the, the problem was is when we had these hearings, when we had the hearings, we discussed it in the hearings that the, the, the full carpet and that, it, you know, they've been down there for 27 years and that it should be that. But then in the interpretation with uh, Miss Bowles, you know, she uh, just put the she it was you know she just put the, the living room and dining room and i'm not sure that that she um knew when when the when it was put all together that it was just the living room and dining room so okay. why why in your petition did you just write the carpet in the living room and dining room i, I did not do that 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 was that was written uh, i i just said carpet got it who filed the petition for you then the the rent control board filed the no I mean I sent in I sent in a letter saying what I wanted and they told and and, and uh, Miss Noseworthy told me that I had to do do this and do that and do this so I did it but it it came out that 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 the landlord kept pushing that it's just going to be the the living room and dining room which doesn't make any sense because it was all put down at the same time. Got it. Any other um, questions? No. I do okay. I have a question. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in your conversations with your landlord, uh, where you've requested this, has there been any justification from the landlord about why they will not replace carpeting after 27 years? That, that, presumably you've been a, a good tenant, at least paying your rent on time if you've been able to maintain that unit for so long. So is there any justification that the landlord has given? She, she, won't, she won't even discuss anything with me. God forbid there's a fire, you know, I probably won't be notified that the, the place is burning down. No, appears not. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. That I, have was, a, I have a question for staff, though. Okay. Uh, l let me just ask, yeah. um, were there any other requests to speak on this item? I have none. Yes, I just got another request. Um, Tom Nitty, um, he wants to speak for two minutes. Okay. Um, because it wasn't filed before, I believe we have to get the approval of the board to accept it. Is that correct? Or can we just do it? I, I, yeah, sounds fine. Okay, sure. Then, please, uh, Mr. Lee, if you'd like to come up. Uh, I'm Tom Nitty, and I represent the ownership. Uh, first, congratulations, uh, Ms. Trosis, on your election victory. Um, I will be less than two minutes. Um, I want the rent board to know that my client has completed all of the uh, items that were subject to decrease. 
and has filed a compliance determination, I believe it was yesterday. So uh, the hearing examiner's orders uh, have been complied with as quickly, uh, as quickly as possible. As far as the notice is concerned, the notice is a very important issue to be precise on it because the landlord, as you know, has 30 days to try and cure anything in the notice. And the only way the landlord uh, can know that is by having an accurate notice. Uh, the landlord can't read the tenant's mind and think that the, the tenant must have meant something else. And so that notice is quite important to the landlord. And we rely on that notice when we prepare for a hearing. That's what we prepare about. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. Uh, Commissioner Leslie, it looks like she has a question for you. Sir, excuse me, Mr. Nitty. Mr. Mitty, can you hear me? Yes. Do you have carpet in your home? Do I have carpet in my home? Do you home? have carpet in your home? Uh, yes. So when you had your carpet installed, did you install it around your whole unit? No, it was, it was in there when I moved in um, in 1982. Was it brand new? Was it, excuse me? Was it brand new? I'm, I can't understand. I said, was it new carpet? Was it new carpet? No. But it was clean when you moved yeah. in? Oh, oh it, was, it was clean. So how often do you replace your carpet? I think the, the carpet areas that are left uh, haven't been replaced since I moved in. I mean, had the carpet was a good carpet. It wasn't warm. And it served its purpose for a long time. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, no other requests to speak. I'll open this for discussion. Uh, any commissioners like to start? Go ahead, Vice Chair Foster. Sure, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, while I, I always hate to see uh, repairs and maintenance come to ha have to come to a hearing before um, a landlord and a tenant can come to a, an agreement, you know, between themselves as to reasonable repairs, uh, but in in this case where so many items were found uh, in favor of the tenant, uh, it's still it, I, it wasn't listed. It wasn't listed. And staff, is it correct that tenants and that both parties have a right to review documents before they sign them, before they turn them in? I mean, there's a review. Once you sign it, you've signed it, right? Right. And what happened in this case is that Mr. Calico submitted um, the notice that he had sent to the landlord prior to filing the petition. And in that, and page, that's Exhibit 1, page 93, Mr. Calico wrote, living room, dining room, carpet and dining room, oil stain will not come out, need to be replaced. Carpet and living room will not, will not clean, needs to be replaced. Years of wear, over 20 years. And that's the only mention in that notice to the landlord that they gave up any carpet. And what is the soonest he could, he could file another petition for the rest of the carpet, right? He could, a six month uh, waiting period. Okay, thank you. Any other? Okay, uh, Commissioner Trosis. Yeah, so is it, can you just explain to me, like, is there a situation where someone would come in to our front counter, say I'm having this issue and you would help them fill out 
like after counseling them, you'd help them fill out a petition for a rent decrease. Our counselors work with them, but the applicant themselves fills out the petition. Um, so, but our information coordinator would sit with them and look at the notice and look at the petition and make sure that the same things that are on the notice are listed on the petition. But the applicant, you know, fills out and signs and submits the application. Yeah, and just to clarify again, I think what I heard is he's been living there since 1995. So that would make it 27 years that he's lived in this apartment. Yeah. Um, and in my previous life, when I, I was counseling tenants, you usually say, you know, 10 years is the normal wear and tear for a carpet. So 27 seems uh, very excessive. Um, I would not be happy if I was 27 years without my carpet being replaced. And I'll dissent with my friend here, Commissioner Foster. I think it's reasonable to expect that if you're saying normal wear and tear, stains, et cetera, wearing thinness for the carpet that was all installed at the same time, that it all should be replaced at the same time. What are we gonna do? We're gonna have a patchwork carpet. We're gonna replace part of the carpet now, and then we're gonna go come back in six to 12 months and replace the other half of the carpet. Cause ultimately I feel like that's where we're going here. Um, and so what's in the best interest of us and of the tenant and of the landlord, um, to me, it would be to resolve it all right now. Uh, and that's where my thoughts are at right, for, for right now. Okay, I'd like to make a comment before. Um, so my thought uh, on this is, and I think we all zeroed in on it, is notice is the key here. What notice was provided? I mean, there's constitutional um, requirements that notice be given. Um, and for me, that's, that's the issue and that's also the determining factor. Um, there's a saying that applies in, in uh, court, and I'll change it to make sense here. Um, petitioner is the master of the petition. Um, and in this case, the petitioner wrote living room and dining room carpet. And that was the notice that, that as I can see, was written and was at issue. Um, to come now and say that, well, no, I meant the rest of the carpet of the entire unit. Well, that wasn't what the notice said. Or that wasn't what the petition said. Um, so that is the universe that we need to deal with. Um, it sounds like it was investigated. Uh, determination was made um, and a rent decrease was offered. Um, if the whole carpet wanted to be replaced, I think it should have been mentioned or maybe the petition amended, um, but that's not what's before us at this point. Um, I agree with the points that 27 years seems like an awful long time to be stuck with a, the same carpet, no matter how well you care for it. It's just normal wear and tear. Um, I would think would wear it down. Um, but again, that's not what's before us right now. Um, so. Having said all of that, I um, am comfortable that uh, what we have before us is the living room carpet, the dining room carpet, and, and that's what I would make my ruling on to affirm the hearing officer's decision when we get time to, to vote. But having said all of that, it makes all sense, right? That if, if there may be a petition for the rest of the carpet, 
perhaps it would behoove the landlord and the tenant to get together. I'm not advising that. I'm just saying it just kind of seems to make sense in the world that you would try and do that and take care of it all at once, but that is not for us to decide. Um, but it's out there now. So in any event, that was my comment. Uh, any other comments? Uh, Commissioner Leslie? Sorry. I understand that uh, we have to rule on what's set in the law, but I also would like to just state that it would be just if the landlord would just go on and pay for the rest of the carpet because the tenant paid for the initial carpet 27 years ago. It would be just um, whether he petitions again in another six months or if just the landlord just come on and just do what's right. Commissioner Gonska. I actually have a question. So if, with the six month uh, waiting period, is that from the time, the date the petition was filed or the date, today's date, where does, when does that clock start? Today. From today's date, okay. So six months from today. I, I'd like to echo the comments I, I heard here. Unfortunately, it seems that our hands are tied in terms of what uh, our, our duty is based on what's in the petition. But uh, personally, it would really, uh, it would really, uh, anger me to, if we had to go through another petition process for what's just here. It's not just our time, it's the time of the city staff, it's the time of the tenant, uh, and I think it's pretty clear to me at least where, how that uh, future potential petition, uh, how that would result. Uh, so hopefully they can resolve this, the tenant and the landlord can get together and resolve this because uh, it, it's just a giant waste of time and resources to pursue, pursue this through official means. Uh, 27 years is is ridiculous, uh, in my opinion. So uh, the clock starts today. If we have, if you have to go that route, you have that option. Uh, but unfortunately, our hands are tied in terms of what we can do tonight. Vice Chair Foster. Yeah, and in conclusion, I think I think we're sounds like we're about ready to somebody to make a motion. But um, also, it's worth reminding ourselves that this is an appellate um, situation where we have to find error. Not, not us starting over with how we would have found. Uh, and I have to constantly you know, remind myself of that. Um, there's no clear error uh, in, in the findings of the case. So I'm gonna make a motion to uh, affirm the hearing officer's decision in this case and findings of fact and conclusions of law. There's a first, do I have a second? Second. All right, second by Commissioner Gonska. Um, we'll now call for a vote. Commissioner Tarosis? No. Commissioner Leslie? No. Commissioner Gonska? Yes. Vice Chair Foster? Yes. Chair Duran? Yes. Motion carries. Okay, moving on then to uh, item 10B. Two, and this looks to be like it's case number uh, N0281, 440 Raymond Street, apartment 11. And the appellant is um, Aylesford Corp. May we have a staff report, please? Yes, Commissioner, this case involves the same parties, same tenants, same landlord. In this case, the landlord claimed and petitioned the board 
um, that the tenants moved to Rancho Mirage, their home that they own in the desert, in 2017 and have been living there and that their Santa Monica apartment is only their secondary residence and therefore under Regulation 3304 of the board, they are asking the board to increase the rent based on recent market rates. Um, the question before the hearing officer was then, what, where do the tenants actually reside? What is their usual residence of return? The question before you and the hearing officer decided that the tenants do continue to reside in Santa Monica as their residents have usual return. The question before you is, does substantial evidence support the hearing officer's decision? What the record shows is, and as you've heard, is that the tenants have been living in this property for over 20 years. Back in 2011, they also bought a home out in the desert um, in Rancho Mirage. And uh, they say that they'd be using it as a weekend getaway, um, except during the pandemic, when the lockdown went into effect, they moved um, and isolated themselves in the Rancho Mirage home and stayed there until they had gotten their vaccines in 2021, and then they moved back to the Santa Monica apartment. Um, the evidence also includes uh, uh, testimony from various friends and neighbors. Um, they testified about the regular social interaction with the tenants in Santa Monica. Neighbors talked about seeing them on the property, um, except for the year in which they were um, in uh, the desert. Um, the board, uh, and actually some of those friends um, also stayed in that Rancho Mirage home. They were allowed to stay there as their, for their own weekend getaways. And what they testified was that the home appeared bare and not lived in the desert home and that they had to bring their own supplies and toiletries to there, which is also what the tenants testified that they had to do when they would go there over the weekend. Uh, the board investigators also visited both properties um, and they observed the Santa Monica apartment looked like a regular lived-in apartment um, occupied, and the um, but the desert home did look. Um, uh, the, they said that it didn't look lived-in or occupied. Um, the the landlord subpoenaed um, substantial documents from third parties, and that included financial transaction statements. Um, from their banks and credit cards. And the hearing officer reviewed all of those financial transactions and where they indicated the location of the transaction. So for example, if you go buy something and it says where the location was. And based on that, she created a table, which is I included in the staff report and which is with <laughs> the decision. And that table shows that when the tenants are not traveling, um, because uh, Mr. Calico's job involves a uh, substantial amount of overseas travel. Uh, Ms. Trinka ha has relatives abroad, so she visits them when she can on vacation. So when they weren't traveling for that reason, uh, the residents of usual return, where these transactions were, uh, were occurring anyway, were primarily in Santa Monica from 2017 to 2019. In 2020, then it switches to the desert. And then in 2021, it switches back again to Santa Monica. Um, the utility bills for both properties were sent to the Santa Monica address. Um, and in fact, the gas usage is consistent with the testimony of the tenants. It's higher in Santa Monica 2017 to 2019, 
20, it goes to the desert, 21, Santa Monica, again, has a higher usage. Um, Mr. Calico has an extensive private collection of objects, and he kept those in Santa Monica. Uh, he also kept his furniture in Santa Monica. They didn't move their furniture. Um, they outfitted the desert home with things that they bought locally out there. Um, the driver's licenses of both of them list Santa Monica as their home. Uh, Mr. Calico is registered to vote in Santa Monica. The home insurance and the renter insurance for both properties are sent to the Santa Monica address. Their doctors are in Santa Monica. Most of their banking statements were sent to Santa Monica. Now, as I detailed in the staff report, there is some evidence that the tenant held out the desert home as their uh, principal residence. And the landlord focuses on the fact that Mr. Calico has a homeowner's exemption for the desert home. Um, and he's had it since he bought it in 2011. Um, and you're only entitled to that homeowner's exemption if you state to the state, uh, you state to the state authorities that that's your principal residence, your primary residence. Um, and since he, this uh, matter came up in the context of this hearing, Mr. Calico said that he's informed the state taxing authorities that he's not entitled to that exemption. But the landlord argues that because those, that, doc, that uh, specific um, document um, was made under penalty of perjury, that declaration that this is where I reside, that that should outweigh all the other evidence in this case. And um, the landlord points to the board's decision in another matter, um, N-0276, in which the board reversed the hearing officer's decision and found that the tenants were not in occupancy of their Santa Monica home. Now there, the tenants had admitted that they had moved to Sausalito because they'd gotten a job in the Bay Area. They had bought a home. They'd lived there for three years. And um, when they bought their home, they filed um, and got a homeowner's exemption for their Sausalito home. Um, but in that case, the employer notified the um, tenant that in July 2019 that their employment would end in four months. And, but after a year later, the tenants still hadn't moved back. Um, they said that they were going to, but, uh, but they needed to make some repairs to their Sausalito home before they left it and moved back to Santa Monica, and that the COVID pandemic a lockdown occurred, and so they weren't able to do that. But the record showed that the lockdown happened eight months after they had found out that the Bay Area job was not going to, that was going to end. And during that time, they hadn't taken any steps to move to Santa Monica or get a contractor to fix their Sausalito home. And so what the board found that there was no substantial evidence that supported the decision, the, the conclusion that, the, that Santa Monica continued to be the residence of usual return. And for that reason, they, uh, the, they reversed the hearing officer's decision. Facts here are quite different. Mr. Calico, when he filled out that form, he did that when he bought the property in 2011. The landlord claimed that he moved in 2017. So that homeowner's exemption was in place all those years um, from 2011 on when nobody is disputing that the tenants resided in Santa Monica. So the fact that it was still in place in 2017 does not prove that the tenants moved to the desert in 2017. And therefore, the hearing officer gave um, very little weight to that specific evidence, notwithstanding the fact that it was signed under penalty of perjury. 
Um, and the record here contains substantial evidence, which I have just reviewed for you, that support the hearing officer's decision that Santa Monica continues to be their usual residence of return. The landlord also points to the tenant's extended absence when they traveled for work for Mr. Calico to visit it, her family for uh, Ms. Trinka. But that are, the board's regulation 3304 explicitly excuses temporary extended absences for work trips or vacations. The hearing officer's conclusion that Santa Monica remains their usual residence of return is reasonably supported by substantial evidence. Therefore, staff recommends that you affirm the hearing officer's decision and findings of fact and conclusions of law. Thank you very much. Um, I have some requests to speak before I do. Are there any questions regarding the staff report? Fellow commissioners? No? Okay. Then I will read the names in the order that I've received them. Um, the first one I have is Harvey uh, Kalikov. And after that, Monica Trinka. Just giving you a heads up so you know to prepare next. Um, Mr. Kalikov, if you'd like to come back up to the speaking box, and when you're ready, you'll have three minutes. Grand Control Board, uh, this might be highly unusual, but I have dyslexia, and uh, I have written my notes, and instead of me reading it, uh, my my neighbor uh, who said that he would read it is is that okay? Uh, I I you know I, I can speak very well I I can you know do everything else but you know re reading is not my forte. Sure. Okay. Okay, that's fine. This is Derek Lochran. Hi, my name is Derek Lochran. I'm reading on behalf of Harvey. I've been an occupant of my apartment for over 27 years. In December, I will be 73 years old. I signed the lease for this apartment in 1995. Both my personal and business life has always been in Santa Monica. My expertise in the shoe business, some of my best clients were on the Third Street Promenade, such as Smith Brothers and Steve Madden Shoes. I actually helped start Steve Madden's shoe business in the designer and salesman, as a designer and salesman, and my territory has always been primarily Southern California. Even traveling up and down the coast, my headquarters and home was always my apartment in Santa Monica. Southern California, Beverly Hills, and Malibu and the downtown fashion district are where most fashion trends start. Having Santa Monica as my base has been very important to my success in the fashion footwear industry. When traveling worldwide for my job to source factories and attend trade shows, my Santa Monica apartment is where I'd return. I never had a problem with the two prior owners of the building, but in 2019, my current landlord, Ashraf LeBlanc, became even more hostile to me. I didn't realize what the motive was for the landlord's behavior, but after returning from China with COVID and a prolonged quarantine, and after the landlord installed cameras throughout the building, the harassment became worse. I saw the landlord's daughter, Nicole LeBlanc, going through my trash and recycling and monitoring all my comings and goings with the cameras. I learned later, through the lawyer I had to retain, that they were looking for information about me and my wife, Monica Trinka. 
in order to make the false accusation that my apartment was not my primary residence and that my fixer-upper vacation house in Rancho, Rancho Mirage was my home. I was then bombarded with 50 subpoenas. During the process, Nicole LeBlanc contacted many of those that she'd previously subpoenaed and told them to resubmit the requested information directly to her rather than having the documents first submitted to and portions redacted by the Rent Control Board. My health care provider, Bank of America, and my auto and home insurance agent were getting multiple calls from Nicole LeBlanc. That information contained private financial and medical records, including our social security numbers. Subsequently, my FICO score suddenly went from 820 down to 678 in one month. The landlord and her daughter had done the equivalent of a cyber attack on our credit. As well, we have had to deal with over 8,000 documents associated with the 50 subpoenas. This cynical attack by our landlord has resulted in terrible stress, sleepless nights, and a large financial drain, and has had a severe impact on our quality of life. I swear it is the absolute truth that Santa Please let him finish his statement. I need to hear it. Hold on. Wait, wait, please wait for the microphone to come back on. Go ahead, please. I swear it is the absolute truth that Santa Monica has always been my home and the hub of my travels. What I do for a living could not occur if I resided in Rancho Mirage. Santa Monica is where I vote, all my licenses, my doctors, and is the geographical center of my life. If the Rent Control Board has any questions, I am eager to answer them at this time. Okay, Commissioner Trosis has a question. So with all of that in mind, why did you take out a homeowner uh, property tax exemption on your home in Rancho Mirage? Uh, again, uh, I, I didn't know that I that I did this when I signed the papers when I bought the house. It was in the papers. We didn't know about it until this investigation happened. Uh, I had never never understood it or even uh, knew about it until the the landlord started, you know, subpoenaing me for these, you know, these the, this problem. Um, the ha the house in Santa Monica and in, in Rancho Mirage uh, was never ever my my home. It was uh, it, it, it I bought it just a, as a, a weekend getaway. It did it, it was on a septic tank. It it uh, that we had troubles with the with the toilets. Uh, if you read the documents, we, we never we never used the house uh, more than just the weekends until until we we got there with uh, with COVID. And as you all know, down here, uh, the restaurants were closed. Everything, we 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 felt better by going there because because we we were isolated, and we kept we kept coming back. It wasn't like we were we stayed there or moved there. We would come back on the weekends, or we come back a couple of days. I had to come back. This this is where my life is. Um, any other questions? Thank you. Any other questions, commissioners? Thank you very much, sir. All right, the next person I have um, is Monica Trinka. When you're ready, you can have, you'll have three minutes to speak as well. Thank you, please go up to the, to the microphone so we can get your. Good evening, all. Good evening. Good 
My name is Monica Trinka. I'm a Brazilian naturalized American living in Santa Monica at 440 Raymond Avenue with my husband, Harvey Calico. I have lived there for more than 20 years. My life with my husband used to be calm and planned until we were accused by the landlord that our unit is not our home. During the years of 2021, we went through a very unprecedented times of COVID-19 where, scared of contraction of an illness, nobody knew anything about and losing friends and families, family all over the world, dying from it, me and my husband decided to spend some time more isolated in the weekend retreat house that my husband has in Coachella Valley. I wanted to point a out that I don't have my name in the house and I don't have my name in my husband's company's comma LLC and I always had my life around Santa Monica City. During the hearings, Alice Ford Corporation and their lawyers tried to make me an untrusted person, wondering many times in their questions about how I got to be naturalized American, even committing cultural bias against me. They also fish information about me in innumerable, innumerable companies I don't have any business with. Nicole Blanc distributed more than 50 subpoenas all over the United States with my social security number and my husband's social security number, open it and expose it in completely disregard for our confidential information. I wanted to point it out, not me or my husband even gave Alice Ford Corporation our social security information. I am a very reserved person, but now I cannot sleep tranquil anymore thinking that my private information is out there in the public. With the predatory manners, with a lot of lies and false accusations under pressure, Alice Ford Corporation and their lawyers have caused us a huge emotional distress physical distress and especially after such difficult times of COVID when we didn't make money for two years, a great financial distress in a case that produced more than 80,000 pages of copied documents, 50 subpoenas and required us to hire a lawyer to defend us. I wish the city of Santa Monica could have better laws against those predatory landlords. Hang on one second. Hang on one second. Your your time is up, but if you'd like to finish your thought, that would be fine. It's, it's, it's just one another. Okay. After they hang the cameras all over the building, tenants are under surveillance, even for things that we say inside a home. We have a camera right in our door. We had to go through seven cameras for the moment you get to the building to get to my door. We live in our, every, with every movement and concern concerned that they listen and watch us. The owner goes on a Saturday morning in our place to shoot to my husband that I'm not a tenant, even though I have lived there for more than 20 years. This is how I've been my residence in place of return. But when it was convenient to Alice Ford Corporation to say that I was not a tenant in occupancy in the unit, they did it in, in the most ungracious way. So as I said, my name is Monica Trinka and I'm a tenant in 440 Raymond Apartment 11 Santa Monica. This has been my permanent residence since I moved to USA and I'm not asking anything but respect for it. Thank you very much.
Thank you. I, any questions? Any questions, commissioners? No? Seeing none. Thank you very much for your time. All right. The next speaker I have um, is uh, the next in line. I have Amanda Seward. When you're ready, you can come up and you've requested five minutes. Good evening. I'm a, my name is Amanda Seward, and I represented uh, Mr. Calico and Ms. Trinka at the petition hearing. Um, the conclusion of the hearing officer was that the Raymond Avenue property is their home, and uh, she denied the landlord's claim that they were not in occupancy. Yes, Mr. Calico bought a, a rental or a vacation home in the desert in 2011, by the way, at a fraction of the cost that he could buy something here in Santa Monica. Um, and it was only during COVID uh, that they retreated to the desert home. And as you will recall then, I hope we haven't forgotten, people were dying and um, there was no a vaccine in the beginning. And as soon as they were vaccinated, they were back in Santa Monica. Uh, the decision of the hearing officer was not willy-nilly. Um, there were nine days of hearings, 50 subpoenas to 32 different third parties. There were almost 200 exhibits. And in a 138-page decision, the hearing officer determined that their regular place of return or the usual place of return is the Santa Monica Raymond Avenue home. Two inspectors found that the, um, in one instance that the Santa Monica residence was their home. The other found that the vacation home in the desert was just that a vacation home. Uh, your staff supported the findings and decisions of the hearing officer. Yes, Mr. Calico, um, there was a homeowner's exemption taken out in the beginning. Um, but that is only one factor, and it is not the determining factor. If, if it is a determining factor, the regulations need to be reworded. They need to say, if you've taken a homeowner's exemption, you're out. It doesn't say that. It's just one of the factors. And I think that in the context of this, um, that has been explained. If you have any questions or if there's any thought of overturning all of this, please express them and ask any questions that you have. Any questions, commissioners? No. Thank you very much. Right, thank time. you very much. Uh, the last speaker that I have is Derek uh, Lochran. He's requested uh, five minutes. Come on up when you're ready. Oh, that was, okay. All right, very good. Then, uh, Mr. Secretary, have there been any other requests to speak? Yes, from Tom Nitty. He's requesting five minutes. Okay. Uh, I think that that's, that's fine. Mr. Nitty, you can, you can come up and speak. Oh, 
Well, thank you, commissioners. Um, I represent the landlord Aylesford group, and I'd respectfully ask for at least um, eight minutes. Um, after all, the side of the tenant uh, had asked for a total of 11, didn't quite take it all, but to limit me to three, I think would be unfair uh, in, uh, if we're gonna balance the equities here. Well, okay, hang on one second. So let me ask counsel this. Uh, he's limited to five. Is that? Okay. Um, well, well, okay, so, so hang on a second. Yeah, let's see where we are at five minutes and then we'll have a discussion. Thank you for that. Okay. okay. Um, the board must be careful uh, when denying the 3304 because the denial results in the tenant taking housing off the market, either here or in another city. And uh, that's what, uh, that, that will happen uh, tonight if you do not grant it. Um, the evidence in this case, when properly weighed, uh, falls in favor of the petitioner. The law is also in favor of the petitioner. Now the respondent's evidence is mostly equivocal. Days in or out of town, where credit charges are, multiple locations of personal property, multiple mailing addresses. Both parties can find evidence for their respective positions in the record. But some critical evidence is unequivocal. 3304G5. In 2001, the tenant becomes the owner of record of another home in Rancho Mirage. There's two things in 3305G5. One is taking a homeowner's exemption. The second is actually owning a home uh, in, in, an, in another place. Now, the tenant filed the homeowner's exemption while he was a tenant here in Santa Monica, filed a homeowner's exemption with the county of Riverside and has taken advantage of it for over 10 years. Now, the tenant says, well, you know, it was in all papers. I didn't look at what I was signing. Well, we heard that in the uh, Sausalito case as well. And that testimony is, well, my accountant did that. I don't look at everything the accountant does. And one of the commissioners uh, gave the tenant a lecture uh, at that previous case involving Sausalito that you're expected to know what you sign, especially under penalty of perjury. But that's not the only thing he signed under penalty of perjury. He signed several, several more documents under penalty of perjury, as well as representations to um, motor vehicle, uh, where he bought motor vehicles and so on, um, that this was his principal residence. Now, from N0276, the Sausalito case, I quoted Commissioner Foster and Commissioner Tarosis. Uh, discussing the importance to them of whether or not the tenant took the homeowner's exemption at another location. Uh, they made statements without equivocation that this basically made the decision, made the decision for them. And I put um, the two commissioners' quotes um, in my brief against the staff report on appeal. So you can see those quotes there. Interestingly enough, in the staff report on appeal, they didn't even reference this. Um, the um, hearing examiner was aware of this, didn't reference it either. 
It's like what you say doesn't mean anything to the people at the staff level, to the people at the hearing examiner level. If they're supposed to take guidance from you, where is evidence of that? They don't even mention it, okay? Now, if taking a homeowner's exemption on a property purchased um, during Mr. Calico's Santa Monica tenancy and continuing to take the exemption for 10 years isn't convincing enough, the tenant here also did the following. Since 2011, he's told his home insurer that the Rancho Mirage property is his primary evidence. Now, I have the exhibit numbers for each of these set items I'm stating, and you'll find them in my opposition to staff report on appeal. Since 2014, his business entity, Como Me LLC, has been registered with the Secretary of State with its headquarters in Rancho Mirage and himself as the agent for service of process readily available at the Rancho Mirage home if anybody needs to serve process on his company. And you'll find that, I believe, I didn't check it recently, but during the hearing we found that, we looked up his company, agent in service of process, Harry Calico in Rancho Mirage. He is telling the world he can be found with reasonable diligence at that address. In 2014, he enrolled in a Medicare Advantage plan that is only available to residents of Riverside and San Bernardino counties and said that his permanent address is in Rancho Mirage property. Since at least 2017, he has been filing his... Uh, okay, I'd like to proceed, but it's up to the board. Go ahead, I'll allow it. Thank you. Since 2017, he has been filing his federal income taxes using the Rancho Mirage address. Since 2019, long before the pandemic began, he has been telling his auto insurer that he has vehicles garaged at the Rancho Mirage address. In January 2020, he leased a new Mercedes-Benz and registered it to Rancho Mirage. In April 2020, he applied for a new mortgage on the Rancho Mirage property, which he repeatedly called in the mortgage application his primary residence. Okay. And despite the penalty for committing federal mortgage fraud, he also filed a new affidavit of occupancy with the County of Riverside under penalty of perjury, stating that the Rancho Mirage property is his primary residence. In 2021, he applied for a discount, discounted rate on his electric utility for his Rancho Mirage property, a discount only available to a primary residence. Now, briefly, some things were said earlier which are not true. No one said the house in Rancho Mirage looked like nobody lived in it. I was there for a full hearing. You won't find that in the testimony. Okay. The, um, uh, the, uh, the allegations against Nicola Bonk about the paperwork are merely speculation. The, um, I also... Our uh, Mr. Calico, uh, you know, is held to know that what he uh, held to know what he signs for. As far as the property looking like it's lived in or not, we were denied by the rent board to see the video they took for Rancho Mirage. The inspector got to see it, and it actually turned out to be important because during the case, the issue with the inspector said a house looks lived in if there's memorabilia there. She said there's no memorabilia. 
Then later in the hearing, it came out that there is a memorabilia in the Rancho Mirage house that Mr. Calico testified to. Of course, we wouldn't know that. We were denied being able to see the video. So we would feel we were denied due, pro due process because when does a hearing occur where one side can present evidence and keep it secret uh, and keep it secret from the other side? The, um, and with that, um, with that, I'll wrap up. Uh, I'd like to be able to rebut any test testimony that might come up, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Are there any questions? Commissioner Leslie, go right ahead. Sir, where is the property owner? Where is the property owner? Yeah, where's the property owner? Own, the owner? I'm sorry. Yeah, the owner of the yeah. property. Right, uh, Mr. Calico, right there. He, he owns the property in Rancho Mirage. Oh, the apartment owner. The apartment owner is a corporation. And so the owner of the corporation, is that the owner of the corporation of the apartment building? I believe she has an interest in the ownership, yes. Okay. So, I mean, you presented all this evidence and all these things, but no property owner except for one of the people that has interest. In right. The well, I'm the attorney. I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, I understand that. I, I truly do. Um as you've presented all this evidence and everything, you, you don't find any issue with all the investigation that you've done um, revealing people's personal information? Is well, all the, I, I, I mean, ethically. Oh, ethically. Well, well, sorry about ethics. I was at the hearing. No, no, no. I'm talking about all the investigations that you've done okay. with these people here. You okay. didn't find anything okay. ethically wrong with revealing their personal information. Uh, the um, investigation was done by Rosario Perry. I came in after he died. I was not involved in any of the subpoenas. Um, but as to what he did, it appears to me that he was doing his job as an advocate. I would expect the tenant to do the same if it was a rent increase petition. I said ethically. Did you have any problem with it? You're an attorney, correct? Right, yeah. Uh, ethically, did I have any problem with 50 subpoenas? Ethically. Yeah, ethically. Uh, no. I think an attorney is an advocate and has to do the best job for his client. To do less than the best job would be malpractice. Interesting. All right. Any other questions? Okay. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Well, hang on a sec. Hang, yeah. no. hang on a second. <laughs> Council. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh, sorry. Uh, you had an opportunity to speak. We're going to deliberate at this uh, at this point, unless there's been any additional requests to speak. That seeing that there has not, correct? No, no more um, requests to speak. Okay, thank you. Then we're going to close uh, the comment and we'll move to deliberation. Uh, commissioners, anybody want to have anything to say? Make any comments? A question for staff. Okay, Vice Mr. Chair. Chair. Um, how many units are at this property? I count twenty. 
Uh, and would I be right in looking at our MAR database that 14 of these 20 units are at market, at or near market? I did. <laughs> for, for, 14 of the units are at or near market. Um, I have a question for the hearing staff. Have you ever had this many subpoenaed documents in recent memory in a tenant not an occupancy case? No, ma'am. This is not our first tenant and occupancy case. Steve's been up here for eight years. I've been up here for six years. Uh, Carolyn's been up here for six years. Uh, we have heard many of these cases. We have found in favor of the landlord when that was warranted and when the evidence uh, indicated that that was, in fact, uh, a supported finding in an appeal situation. Uh, this is an appeal. There is no error in this judgment. The only thing further I would even deign to say is what a travesty of, of the use of our public processes. Um, we don't like to see this. Uh, it's unfortunate. Uh, such an invasion of privacy. In, in an otherwise very straightforward and very well organized process that this agency provides the public uh, is, is just, I don't even have the words. Um, there is no error, in my opinion, in this judgment. It doesn't matter what we would have found if we were the hearings officer. Uh, but even so, in prior cases where we have overturned uh, the rare occasion when we found an actual error, there were actual errors, and, and there is none in this case. I'm going to stop. Okay. I'd, I'd uh, like to make a comment. Um, so when I reviewed this, um, and again, I'm reviewing it uh, uh, based on it being an appeal, which confines me to what the uh, hearing officer determined. And my job was to look for whether there's clear error. Um, as an attorney myself, I, I don't um, have issue as much uh, as some of my fellow commissioners do about advocating for your client and, and doing the requesting the subpoenas and uh, the days of hear the hearing officer for took nine days, then that's what it took to present their case. They have that right. And if that's how they chose to do it, then so long as they complied with the law, I am fine with all of that. Uh, do I feel it was heavy handed? Yes. But again, that's not, that is not for me to decide here today. When I, reviewed the documents, I, I, I have to say this is, to me, there was evidence for, there was evidence against. And the note that I put on my paper is it's a close call. So I took a step back and said, wait a minute, it's not my job to determine whether the hearing examiner, if I would have agreed with the hearing examiner's conclusion or not. The fact that I came to the conclusion that it was a close call meant that both sides had some reasonable arguments. Both sides having reasonable arguments tells me that there was no clear error here by the hearing examiner. If there was, then it, would, it should have been lopsided in my estimation, right? I didn't see that. I think it was a close call. 
having said that, I, I feel that I cannot find clear error by the hearing examiner. And um, based on that, that's how I'll make my my ruling. Are there any other requests to speak? Commissioner Trosis. Yeah, not to reiterate this, but um, the behavior exhibited throughout the extensive uh, staff report and hearing officer's determination, um, you know, we're taking that uh, at face value, but never have I seen so many subpoenas, never have I seen, I mean, quite frankly, I have to say, I feel sorry for you all that you've had to go through this. Um, you have a very capable attorney here who's appeared before many different boards. I think this is beyond the pale from what I've seen. Um, the exposure of the personal personal identifying information, um, the cameras, unfortunately, this is a tactic we've seen too many times here, um, and it's got to stop. And, and I know that you're advocating for your client, and I know that you'd like to potentially make more money by having a market rate tenant in the building, but we have to protect people's um, homes, uh, people over profit, right? And I think that it's pretty reasonable. My husband and I, during the beginning of the pandemic, we rented an Airbnb in Joshua Tree and we went there. We were scared. Um, I think we've all experienced something that's been an anomaly in the last two years. So to use our uh, quotes out of context with a set of facts that does not comport with this set of facts um, is disingenuous at best um, and not, not very convincing for me. Um, when I say us, I mean Commissioner Foster and I. Um, and, you know, I'm, di I'm disappointed in the tactics that I saw used throughout the staff report. So I'll go further than Steve, even though I am a lawyer. Um, I don't think there was a clear error in judgment here. So I think you know how I'm going to vote. Thank you. Any other commissioners? Uh, I have a question for staff, actually. Uh, what was the order of uh, the original petitions being filed between item 10B1 and 10B2? First, the, uh, the end petition, the, the petition filed by the landlord went first a month. Following that, the, um, the decreased petition was filed by the tenants. Okay, thank you. Any other questions, comments? All right, uh, seeing none, I'll entertain a motion if there are, anyone's ready to make one. Okay, uh, I will move that we um, affirm the hearing officer's uh, decision and the hearing officer's findings of fact and conclusions of law. Do I have a second? Second. Second by Commissioner Trosis. May we have a roll call vote, please? Commissioner Leslie? Yes. Commissioner Gonska? Yes. Commissioner Tarosis? Yes. Vice Chair Foster? Yes. Chair Duran? Yes. Motion carries. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, we're moving on to administrative items, item 12. Uh, and item 12A is consideration of the proposed amendment to regulation 13008. And we have a staff report. Yes, thank you, Chair. Good evening, Commissioners. Uh, this item is before you this evening because uh, Regulation 13008 
is a process where um, either an owner or a tenant can petition the uh, agency to register a unit that had not been previously uh, registered prior to 2003. In order to register such a unit, there is a process whereby the owner has to explain why it wasn't registered and that it meets the requirements for registration. Um, unlike the other uh, regulations, this particular section does not have a provision that allows these petitions to be determined administratively without a hearing. And so this hasn't been a problem in the past, but as we've seen recently, the, there are more ADUs being converted, and so we expect to see an uptick in these types of petitions, and we would just like to be able to streamline this process if possible, and so that's why this is before you tonight. Okay. Any questions for staff? No? Okay. Commissioner Gonsco. Um, uh, I, I read it at some point, I'm not finding it exactly in the documents right now, but the original intention uh, of this, I think it had to do with, uh, okay, so, so there, were, there were issues with improperly, impro basically units that weren't registered that should have been. Correct. Okay. But in this case, uh, this specific change would not apply to situations like that. Is that correct? These would be undisputed? Right. These are undisputed. These are where they clearly meet the requirements and where there's no issue about why they've been unregistered and whether they're required to be registered. Okay. Thank you. Any other comments? No? Okay. Um, then the staff is recommending that uh, the board hear from the public, deliberate, and decide whether it should be amended um, as indicated on attachment A. Do we need a... Are you saying we need a public hearing? This can be your public hearing. No, there's no, we don't need a public hearing. Oh, okay. Hearing. <laughs> okay. But if the public wants to address it, you can hear from us. Do we have public comment? Well, there were no public comments, is that correct, on this item? There are no public comments on this item. Okay. Uh, having no public comments, then uh, I'll entertain uh, a motion if you would like to make one. Yeah. Uh, hearing no public comments, uh, I, I deliberate and I've decided that I move that we accept Regulation 13008 as indicated in Attachment A. Okay, may I Second. Vice Chair Foster has seconded. Uh, we'll take a roll call vote. Commissioner Gonska? Yes. Commissioner Leslie? Yes. Commissioner Tarosis? Yes. Vice Chair Foster? Yes. And Chair Duran? Yes. Motion carries. Thank you very much. Uh, moving to item 12B, the final budget report for fiscal year uh, 2021 and 2022. Uh, may we have a staff report? Yes, thank you. So this is an information item and does not require any action by the board this evening. Uh, the written report is quite detailed, um, so I'm just going to highlight a few points. Last year, the board adopted an operating expense budget of $5,505,000. There were no additional appropriations or modifications to the budget during the year. With projected revenue of approximately $5,284,000, the budget anticipated a deficit of about $221,000. Because a budget is an edu educated prediction of projected revenue and expenditures, there are often variations in both revenue collected and expenditures. 
Although, as you know, Ms. Noseworthy is very accurate and does a phenomenal job of projecting both. Overall, for fiscal year 21-22, the board collected approximately $35,000 more in revenue than was originally projected and reduced projected expenditures by almost $40,000, reducing the year-end deficit to just over $146,000. The deficit is covered by the board's reserves. So the revenue summary on the second page of the report shows that registration fee revenue was approximately $32,000 more than anticipated. This was due primarily to exemptions that lapse during the year and fee waivers that lapse. There were also some collection efforts on past due accounts that Mr. Mordezai and Ms. Diaz continued to pursue during the fiscal year. Interest earnings were higher than anticipated by approximately $5,000. This was the result of the finance department recommending or conservatively estimating a 0.05% rate of return on invested funds. The administrative records fees, filing fees, and miscellaneous revenue were lower than expected, but these categories contribute very little revenue to the overall budget. For a review of the expenditures, let's look at the agency budget spreadsheet that follows page six of the staff report. The first column shows the adopted budget for the fiscal year of $5,505,000. The next column shows actual expenditures and encumbrances at the end of the fiscal year, which was $5,465,000. And the third and fourth columns show the variations between the projected and actual expenditures. As you see, overall expenditures were less than expected, as I said, by almost $40,000, or approximately 1% of the adopted budget. The written report explains the variations for a number of noteworthy items. Expenses in the salary and wages category were almost exactly as projected, although more was spent on assistance from as-needed employees than was projected. The demand for as-needed assistance was due in part to staffing changes that occurred during the year and temporarily vacant positions. Reduced expenditures were realized in both the supplies and expenses um, and capital outlay categories. The significant reduction in capital outlay resulted from anticipated software and hardware purchases related to the new system that were not needed before the end of the fiscal year. Once again, um, I want to thank Ms. Noseworthy for her excellent work in preparing the budget and her dil diligent monitoring of the budget. And uh, that's the conclusion of my staff report. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you very much. Any questions? Yeah. All right. Wait, sorry. How much do we have in reserves with the deficit that we're paying down? Um, approximately 1.3 million, which, you know, the city has direction on what we should maintain, which is a percentage of the current year's operating budget, plus enough to cover uh, accrued vacation and sick time for all employees. And what we have is sufficient to yeah. cover those requirements. That's substantial. Yeah, and I, I think it's important people understand sometimes we ask these questions before the public meeting. And so we've had, you know, we've had our questions answered and satisfied. Um, but it's important, I think, like what Commissioner Tarosas just did, um, so that the public does understand that we are monitoring um, the budget of the agency. Thank you, Tracy. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lima. Thank you. Uh, yeah, another great report and great job by staff. 
and keeping our budget well within. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. Okay. Uh, this is awkward. Moving to 12C. <laughs> Recognize me, if you will. <laughs> Celebrate me right now. <laughs> well, as we all know, um, this is the end of Chairperson Duran's uh, tenure on the board. And we want to thank you very much for your service and your dedication to the citizens of Santa Monica. You've been a very calm influence on the board, which I really appreciate, but determined and always prepared. And um, it's been a pleasure to work with you. And I know that your colleagues will want to say something, but we also have a couple little things for you after people have spoken. Thank you. Uh, I hope a box of tissue is one of those things, as we all <laughs> You're know. You're an emotional guy. I, I am an emotional kind of guy. All right. Yeah. I'll do my best. Um, well, thank you. Go ahead, Commissioner Trosses. So, Steve, I can't say I love you, but I guess I'm going to say it anyways. I love you. Um, I just, you always bring calm, reasonable. Steve's called me a couple times to check me because um, he's the voice of reason. Uh, and, and I think we've, we've all gone, I don't think people realize um, that this board really supports and loves each other um, in a way that I don't think people on most elected bodies do. Um, and we've all seen each other through all of our, our life ups and downs as well as just, you know, these meetings. Um, and, and Steve is the kindest, most genuine, real deal, in addition to the fact that we care and you care about protecting our tenants. Um, of course, enforcing the law fairly, first and foremost, but doing it in a way that we keep our tenants in the community. Um, and you're always analytical. I hope we bring back this term limits thing, um, even though our city council didn't want to take it up this time, because, Steve, we could definitely use use some more um, of your leadership and your wisdom. Uh, and it's going to be really sad without you here. Thank you for everything. Thank you. That's very kind. I appreciate that. Vice Chair Foster. When I came on the board, as these two are probably experiencing, it's scary up here. Um, you talk to staff, you talk to the attorneys, you read the reports, but you, you really rely on your fellow commissioners to kind of show you how it's done. You kind of follow their lead, take their example, or, or, or do the opposite. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> or, you know, examples of what to do and what not to do. And you really do. You learn from your, from your colleagues. And I'm bombastic. I talk a lot. I'm loud. Steve is exactly what Carolyn said. He's calm, he's reasoned, he cares, and he's he takes the emotion out of his decision-making part of it, which is hard for me to do. Uh, and that's just, I've learned, I, I, I always follow him as chair. He's chair, and then, like, I'm chair the next year as his vice chair, and I, I watch him, and I'm like, Oh, that was that was fair what he did, or oh, that was reasonable. Maybe I should do that. And I, I I've only chaired uh, once before, but it was after a year of watching you. So, as they like to say in the PSA, I learned it from watching you, Dad. <laughs> learned it from watching you. I thank you so much for eight years of your service and for teaching us how it's done. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I am the oldest one up here, so yeah, the Dad is probably inappropriate comments. Thank you.
Go ahead, Commissioner Gonska. Well, I uh, obviously we don't. I don't know you as well as uh, the other commissioners who have spoken do, but. Uh, I think that right off the bat, the things that they said are apparent even to somebody like me who's only just gotten to know you recently. Uh, and so uh, while we haven't had a lot of time together on the board, I, I hope that uh, you know we can spend more time, because uh, I want to call on your expertise, even when you aren't on the board, to help us uh, and help the new board members. Uh, so thank you for your service for these eight years, and uh, thank you for being a good example to, to us newbies. Thank you. It's very kind. I appreciate that. Commissioner Leslie. So I have to follow up with Kurt. Um, we haven't had as much time, but I can, I'm one of those people that kind of feels people out. And so I can see that you are the calm within the storm. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm looking, I'm, I had to look, look around at both these two. Uh, <laughs> In the middle, don't you start crying on me because I'll tear up too. You're gonna make me mess up my makeup. I'm sitting between these two, these two gorgeous women right here. I have to keep my makeup on. So, <laughs> but uh, I have to thank you for your service. I have to thank you. I have to thank you for being level headed in the midst of some crazy stuff, um, <laughs> at the very least. And you're not going anywhere. You think you're just coming off this dice. That's about it. Now you just have to expect phone calls. Right. <laughs> I will do that. Thank you. It's, that's very kind. Um, oh, okay. It's nice. Thank you so much. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. No, of course. From all of us. Thank you all. Of your, of your stuff. Before you, before you start. I, I do want to say a couple words. Oh, wow, look at this. Yeah. We'll do it as a group. We'll do it as a group. Thank you. We'll do it. So there are some things I'll try to get out. Um, I, like I said, I have my tissues here, and I, I can't help but be emotional. I guess that's just the way I'm wired. Um, but uh, these eight years, it's been fun. It's been hard. It's been challenging. Um, I'm not at all sticking to my script that I just wrote for myself as, I, as I'm looking. Um, I guess uh, the things that we've done over these past eight years is par for the course, I guess, when you, you get elected and you get to come up here and, and do this. And um, I, I would like to think that if there's anything that we've accomplished these past eight years, it was because of the good fortune that I had to work with so many Wonderful people, wonderful people. Um, outstanding fellow commissioners, extraordinary people. Uh, I'm gonna list them because there's been a few in my eight years. Um, I wanna give credit to Todd Flora, Chris Walton, Elsa Rosenstein, Nicole Phyllis, Chris Anastasia, Foster, Carolyn Terosis, Naomi Sultan, 
Erica Leslie, of course, Kurt Konska. Um, all, all amazing, dedicated people who've cared deeply about this city. And it's been humbling and an honor to work with all of you. And of course, uh, the staff that I worked with over the years who have been so stable and so expert in their craft. Um, we've come up with some good stuff over the years and it's because of their expertise, their dedication, um, and, and their commitment to doing what's right for this city. So uh, Tracy, thank you. Stephen Lewis, Lonnie, I saw him out there, there he is. Um, our secretary before Mr. Ho. Um, I saw him right at the beginning of our commission and I got a little soft. I said, oh, I haven't seen him in a while. It's so nice to see him here. Um, thank you, Lonnie, for all your years. Amy Regalado, Neil Wessel, Rebecca Sherman, Haka Mortazai, Dan Costello, Lynn Nalboff, Nalboff, of course, Alvin, Allison. Uh, boy, it's, it's uh, been amazing. Uh, thank you so much to the staff. If there's anybody I've missed, I am so, so sorry. I didn't intend to do that. Um, there's been some new faces here, but I'm grateful for all that you have done to help um, us and this, this city. And I, the last thing I would say um, is uh, I, I want to thank all those that uh, supported me, which gave me the opportunity to be here and do this. Um, my first, the first person I'd like to thank would be my uh, wife at the time, um, who gave me the opportunity to get involved and the freedom to make it to all those meetings and to run for office. Um, uh, so I thank her for allowing me that. I also want to thank those who supported me and um, gave me the, again, the opportunity to do this. It's been a pleasure um, of mine. So I, I couldn't have done this with, without um, Santa Monica for Renters' Rights, um, who I met and who endorsed me, the Santa Monica Democratic Club, uh, LA County Democratic Club, uh, Unite Here, uh, who all put people on the ground on my behalf yep. so I could cry like a baby <laughs> in, in front of you today. Um, but seriously, thank Thank to all of you. Thanks to all of you for allowing me this opportunity. Um, what about your kids? And my, my where? Wait, what about your kids? What about oh, my kids? I like to thank my children. <laughs> to thank the academy. <laughs> right. Uh, they they just want to know when I, I just take them to practice, uh, soccer <laughs> practice, <laughs> choir concerts, and. Uh, <laughs> They're just happy that I give them lunch and, and every day. <laughs> I'm able to do that. So 
Um, no, thank you. I, I am done. Congratulations. I also want to, I think it's, there's very few things that you can be certain of in life, and I am very certain that um, the candidates who ran for office for the Rent Control Board will will make it. Uh, congratulations. There's three of you. and Yeah, no, I, I want to wish you all the best, uh, Mr. Gonska. Ms. Leslie and um, Mr. Ivanov, when you come next week, good luck to you um, and congratulations for being elected. Um, Commissioner Tarosis, I have a good feeling. I don't want to put the cart before the horse or, you know, all of those things. Uh, don't want to jinx you, but I have a good feeling that you will continue to serve us well in the city. We're all here to serve. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Um, well, so much for that. I, I so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Moving on to the last uh, thing. I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. A reluctant second. second. Oh, she beat me. <laughs> There has been a first and a second, and um, I have this gavel in my hand. When I get done, I'm gonna I'm gonna slam it just because it's the last so time. All right. Um, there's been a first and a second. We'll take a roll call vote. Commissioner Tarosis. Yes. Commissioner Leslie. Yes. Commissioner Gonska. Yes. Vice Chair Foster. Yes. Chair Duran. Yes. We are adjourned. Yay. Oh. Yeah.